Now, in the mind of God, not only did he see Jesus raised from the dead, he also sees you that exact same way. Now, it does no good for you and I just to have God thinking that way. We've got to think the same way God does or adopt the thinking that God has about us. So when God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he also raised you. He also raised me. The body was raised with the head. Amen. So we are now seated with him in heavenly places, far above all principality, all might, dominion, and every name that is named. Amen. So again, we talk so much about all these over the course of this week. And I, again, I'm so thankful. You could do that all over again and get excited about it because God paid a tremendous price not only to save you from hell, but also to resurrect you and put you where he always wanted you to be, which is what? In a place of authority. That's what God had in mind from the beginning when he created Adam and Eve, that they would be now the authoritative figure in this earth under the rulership of God. So what did God lose when man fell or betrayed God? God lost his authority, his authoritative voice in the earth. God now was on the outside looking into his creation. When, and that's the whole premise behind it, and that's why Jesus came to come back. He said, all authority, all power and authority has been given back unto me in heaven and in earth. So he says, now therefore, you go. So who's got the power? Who's got the authority? We got it on this earth as we're under his rulership. Right? So again, to the degree that I am submitted to the vision of heaven, which is Mark chapter 16, to go, not only reach the world, not only lay hands on the sick, see them recover, cast out devils, all of that, but also to train and equip the body. When we are submitted to that vision and what he wants to do, we walk in greater authority that he's got given for us. That's how this works. It's a kingdom. Now, I'm going to quickly go over occupying our place again. So what is our access point to this seat? And now this is, I'm not just talking about this nice black chair right here. Uh, we're using this as an example of our seat that we see in Ephesians 2.6. We've been seated along with him far above, right? We've been raised up together. What is our access point to that seat? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19. It's available to us word who believe. So my access point to this seat, this far above, this place at the right hand of the Father that the devil dare not go, what's my access point? It's to us word, who believe. Now what does that word believe again? That, that Anglo-Saxon word, it's belifen. I sound British when I said it, didn't I? Belifen. Are you belifen today? What does belifen mean? It means to live in accordance with. Believing is not mental ascent. Oh, yeah, I believe that. No, no, no. When you believe something, it means it actually causes you to move. It causes you to action. So when you are convinced of something, it makes you step out and you actually do something. So if we believe Ephesians, what we just read, chapter 1 and chapter 2, do we believe that? Come on, y'all. Who, who believes that? So what does that do? And when I'm saying believe it, that's not mental ascent going, yeah, sure, that sounds good. No, no. That means it causes me to action. So what's my action? I have to now take my seat. I take it. I believe it. I take it. And how do I take it? By faith. Lord, I receive and accept your gracious word. I believe what you have done for me in Christ Jesus. Train me from this spot day by day that I may attain to the full stature of the perfect man in Christ so that in me, your work throughout the ages may be accomplished. Amen. This is my spot. I take it. Right? Now, not only do I take it, the Bible also tells us, Jesus said a few times, that you have to occupy or operate from this position. Not only is it good just to sit here, well, great, you're in the, you're in the highest place of authority. Now what? 
It's not just for you to look good and sit in. Now I need to operate and function from this realm. Because again, we are keeping in our mentality that we are here in a spiritual battle. When you were born into this earth, guess what? You were born in an actual war. What's the war? It's a spiritual war that you are in. And that is a great downfall to a lot of the the Christian church, and maybe on this side more, the Western side, is that we don't have a consciousness of war. My grandparents may have, but not, not necessarily our generation. Never necessarily seen or been in a war. But listen, we are in one. And the quicker you realize that, the better it's going to be for you. We are in one. There is a devil looking to steal, kill, and to destroy. And he is doing that every single moment of every day. So we got to be aware and occupy from this seat. So again, on that little pamphlet that you may have gotten, if you didn't get one, we have them out front. And we got this from this gentleman, John A. McMillan, his book called The Authority of the Believer. He was a missionary from Canada, sent to China. And just some of the stories he has when you read some of his books, it's profound. It's amazing to see what God revealed to him about this seat of power that when devils or demons try to manifest and kick things out and do things in nations, in tribes, in countries, what do we do? We take our spot. Church, this is what God has designed for us to operate by. We don't fight flesh and blood. Who's our battle against? The spiritual world. So we have got to learn to occupy from this spot. Because I can't fight a politician and think that everything's going to change. It won't change nothing. So where do I got to go? I got to go to the real root of this thing. The way even the Lord showed it to me this past week is you got to step on the head and all the coils will straighten out as you start focusing on it. Rather than deal, well, there's a problem here, there's a problem. No, go to the very source. Stomp on that head and all the coils will have to straighten out. So we go to the root of the problem. Okay? Now... Let me just read to you again on the back of that sheet. It says, morning by morning, as one of my first acts of worship, I will take my seat with Christ and return thanks to God for all that it implies. I will often remind myself, where am I? Far above. I'm going to tell devil, this is something I have to do myself regularly. Devil, I'm seated far above you. And every work, every plan, every scheme that you've got, I'm far above it. Just to remind you, just so you know down there far above. He gets it. Sorry, I have to just take a quick pause. That's my nephew. Hey. (laughs) It says, as my faith from this spot now learns to use the name and the authority of Jesus, I will find spiritual forces yielding in ways that will surprise me. As I continue to abide closely in him, my prayers for the advancement of the kingdom will become less and less the uttering of petitions and will now increasingly manifest the exercise of a spiritual authority that recognizes no national boundaries but fearlessly binds the forces of darkness in every part of the world. All from that seat. Well, I got family in Australia. I got family in China. I got whatever it is. Guess what? In that seat, there is no boundaries. There's no time in the spirit. You can sit there and all of a sudden the Lord will bring up to you, I want you to speak over a family member in China. Go for it. You can do it from that spot. That's what you got. Now, again, in order to properly operate and in order to properly work with God from this position, it's required that you and I have set our sights or relocate ourselves mentally to a different realm. It's required. Now, I want you to, again, go to Colossians chapter 3. I want to just open this up here for a moment. But again, to be effective from this spot, right? We're talking about being effective, right? 
what's required of me to be an effective believer that, ha- that knows about this spot, that is operating from this spot. I have to relocate myself mentally. I have to set my sights on something higher. This is what Colossians says. Since you've been raised, come on, say it with me, raised. What does raised mean? You ain't down here no more. You've been raised to a new life with Christ. Set your sights. Say it with me, set your sight. That's a good question to ask yourself this week, all throughout your day. What am I thinking about? Where's my sight? Where, where, am I, where is my sight set to? Oh, is it just set on here? Is it just set on CNN? Is it just set on fire? Is it just set here? Is it just set here? Because if that's all you're seeing, to the degree of what you're looking at is the degree that you're operating from. So he's saying set yourself up and get your mind up on the realities of heaven where Christ sits. Who's Christ? <laughs> Jesus? Nope. It's Jesus is part of Christ. Christ is simply the anointed one and his anointing. How many of you have been baptized in Christ? You've been immersed in him. So set your sights on the realities of him where Christ sits. That means the head, Jesus, and the body, you and I. This is where he sits, in the place of honor at God's right hand. Now he says, think about the things of heaven, not, not... The what? The things of this earth. Why? Because you die to this life and your new life is hidden with Christ in God. That's your new life. So he's saying in order to be effective, now we're talking about operating from this seat, to be an effective operator in this position, I have got to set my sights. Because again, heaven thinks a lot differently than you do. Heaven or God isn't Canadian. God's not Albertan. I think he's Manitoban. <laughs> oh, he, you guys are awesome down there, eh? You guys are just wicked down there, wicked deadly. That's not God either, but I'm just, just shout out to my Manitobans. But God doesn't think this way. God doesn't think North American. God doesn't think Republican. God doesn't think liberal. That's obvious. <laughs> I, or Republican. I didn't mean that. So if you're, that you vote for whoever God tells you to vote for. I, I didn't mean to bring that in there. That was an inside word that slipped out. I apologize. Now, if you vote, that's totally fine. That's totally fine. That's, that's between you and the Lord, not me. How do I, Jamie, what do I do? <laughs> Okay, moving right along. Why do we need a new view? Remember when God even approached Joshua? Do you remember when he did that? And what did he say? Hey, Joshua asked him, or which side are you on? Are you on our side or are you with the enemy? What did the angel say? Neither. He's neither Republican nor liberal. He's neither. What is he? He's God Almighty. He's Jehovah. He has a totally different way of thinking. So even for my own self, I can't just think like a Republican or a conservative. That's not how he thinks. He thinks his word. So we have to go to the highest level possible, which again is not a political view, which is the word. I don't vote based on my political views. I vote on the word. What does the word say? That's how I vote. Yes, got out of it. All right, move on. Now, why do I need a new view? Why is it crucial for us as believers to get a new view? I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 55. And let's look here for a moment, verse 7 through 11. 
And it says on the very beginning, it says, let the wicked forsake his way. What's forsake mean? To, yeah, to let go, to abandon, to actually a stronger word would be to renounce. Come on, say it with me, to renounce. So let the wicked renounce his ways and the unrighteous man, his thoughts. Get rid of it. And then he says, let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Now look at this verse 8 again, verses you know. He says, for my, this is God speaking, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. Okay? Now verse 9, he says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts your thoughts. So look at what the word is intended to do. This is what the word is here for. Verse 10, it says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I have sent it. So what's God saying in all of this? His word has been given to this earth. He's brought it down like the snow and the rain that come down. It doesn't just return back up, but it retor- doesn't return void. Actually, how the word was meant, God gave his word to come down so that you would pick it up and you would speak it back to him so he could watch over it to perform it. This is God's mouth-to-mouth resuscitation book. He spoke it, you put it in your mouth, and you right back all over him. That's what he wants so that when you talk like God, you get God's results. That's the whole premise. But how do we do that? I have to forsake my thoughts. I have to forsake my ways. I have to renounce him. I have to change him. And this is what the whole Christian life is to the world. It is be born again. Hear what Jesus did. Hear the good news. Hear the gospel. But now that you come in, now it's a time of you totally forsaking everything you thought you knew. About everything, money, about peace, about joy, about healing, about it all. You have got to renounce it all and pick up a brand new thought that he gives you. You have to do that. Otherwise, Christian life will suck for you. Why? Because you've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness, operating in this new kingdom, still with an old mindset. It doesn't work. That's why people are frustrated. Can't figure this thing out. Well, I don't get any of this. Get into the Bible. Again, I mentioned this last week, is that if you looked at your screen time over the week, they give you an update. How much screen time do we look at, and how much word time are we giving ourselves? Because there's no other way. Let's go to the next verse, Romans chapter 12 here for a moment. Romans chapter 1 and 2 really clearly lays out, there's no other way for you and I to get a new way of thinking unless we get it by the word. There's no other way to think like heaven, to get to know the character of God, the nature of God. And what we have out in the world today is a whole bunch of assumptions of what God is like, what he thinks is okay, what he doesn't think okay. Don't assume. Don't just take my word for it or some other minister or preacher's word for it. you got to go to the book. What does he say about it? Because it doesn't matter what anybody says. All that matters is what he says. And this is why the Bible clearly lays it out. He says, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So this right away changes your theology. I thought worship was music. It's part of it. But I have to give my body to him. That's actually pure worship. It's everything I have. 
Then he says that this is the way that we worship. Don't copy, don't think like the behavior and the customs of this world. Don't. That's a command. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Behavior and how they act, how they operate. It's, don't do it. So, okay, well, don't, okay. Well, this is not behavior modification class 101 either. So, okay, I can't do that anymore. I got to think of something. I got to do this then. That's not, what, that's not what he's saying either. He's saying you need to adopt a new way of thinking. So what do I got to do? But you have to let God transform you. Again, when I go lay out in the sun, do I tan myself? No, the sun tans me. I just put myself in a position to get it. The same way with the presence of God. When you position yourself, good job waking up in minus 18 this morning and coming to church today. What are you doing? You're positioning yourself in such a way for God to transform you. How does he do it? By changing you, by changing the way you think. That's what makes you a brand new person. That's what transforming is all about, is getting this soul that's up here, your mind, your will, and emotions, changed into line up with him. And again, we're talking about effective operating from here. I cannot effectively operate from this position thinking like the world. A world mindset here, God will look at and go, that is stupid, stupid, stupid. Get it out. That's how he talks to me. No, maybe not you. Maybe it's more like, please don't. But for me, I just know that, that is Dumb. It will not work. Why? Because heaven's thoughts are way higher. So when you read Isaiah 55, and people have taken that out of context, see, God's thoughts are so much higher. His ways are beyond all of us. Oh, his wonders are so amazing out there, but we can never understand it. False. Why? Because my Bible tells me in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that we have the mind of Christ. I have it. I can think just like him. That's why he came and died. So I can think just like him. Capiche? All right, so now to the degree, again, as my mind is set on things above and I allow the word of God to change the way that I think, I can become an active participator in carrying out heaven's agenda that he has for the nation of Canada. What does God need? God needs people that will think like him. We don't need more people on, listen, I'm real, I really mean this. We don't need more people on political sides or trying to swing people over to a political side Whatever. More importantly is we need the church to wake up and understand this position and stop thinking politically from this spot. Okay. All right. Now, again, operating from this seat also means that I am untouchable. Come on, say it. Untouchable. When you occupy, when you take that seat and occupy that seat, the Bible, actually another verse I'll just give you for you to write down, 1 John chapter 5, verse 18. It actually talks about you know, loving one another, but to the point it says, you actually will live where the enemy can touch you not. Amen. That's good news, Pastor Marlene. That's good news. Now look at this verse again. These are familiar verse that we went over these last weeks, but I want us to read it again. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Part of the untouchable life means I trample. I stomp all over his face and I enjoy every second of it. And he says, now, Jesus said, you understand that I have imparted to you all my authority to do what? To trample on people? No, 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 no. To trample about bad governments? No, 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 no. To trample over Satan's kingdom. And you will trample upon 
every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Then he says, absolutely nothing will harm you. When? As you walk in this authority. As you walk in this authority. So all of this is all tied in together. The more and more that my mind is renewed to his word is really the more authority that I'm walking in. I have got to change the way I think to God's ways. How does God think and how does God want things done? There's a way God operates. And one of the ways is love. Love. With truth and love. That's what he said, correct? That's how he operates by Moving right along. Now, we did this last week, but I want you just to hear this sound again. Can you just cue that downstairs, guys? I want you to hear this real quick. This is you and I. Last week's Sunday. Put a little bit louder. This is the sound that we heard last week. And I want devil to realize when we operate from this seat, this is what he hears. This is what he hears. Now imagine being the devil. Come on, crank it a little bit louder. Just a little bit louder. I want the devil to hear it this morning. One more time. Do it a little bit louder. Can you hear me down there? A little bit louder now. A little bit louder now. And a little bit louder now. Can you all hear it? This is who we are. This is the assignment is to trample from this position. Woo! Thank you guys. You can That's what I'm talking about. Now, when Paul or Jesus, well, I mean Jesus wrote this, but Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 talks about what you are wearing, putting on the full armor of God. We're not going to get into that today. But when Paul saw this, he actually saw a Roman soldier, and that's where he got this whole, the, the God gave him this picture of what a, the suit looks like, the armor looks like. And again, when the Roman soldiers would march and they would take over a conqueror city, they had these boots on, and the boots really the purpose of it. There were spikes all around them and underneath them. Anybody got in their way? You know, people died in the streets just getting stomped by the Roman, and they wouldn't stop for anybody, not move over. Oh, oh sorry about that. Oh, oh, you better move out of the way. They just keep going. Why? Because they got to focus. We are taking this over against enemies no matter what happens. This is the mindset that we, the church, have. We continue to go forward, and we take out every demon in our way. I don't care what they look like, and we don't go, are you okay? Sorry. No. Oh, hey. Oh, oh I missed a spot. And you give him nothing. Putting out that little cigarette button. <laughs> but this is the sound that I know I heard in the spirit last week that this is what this church's sound is making. It's the trample. Remember the word that we just read at the very beginning from 41 years ago? In this day, I am searching the body of Christ to enlist soldiers. I'll raise up a new band. I'll raise up a new army who will know how to pray against the forces of darkness. This is our assignment. This is why we're here. This is why we're taking over. Why? Trample. What do we need? We have to show the captives that there's freedom in Jesus. He's coming back real quick, and it's our job. We've got to get him out. Now, as we walk this authority, our job is to learn how to operate and walk out this authority because 
unless the believer does something about the devil, nothing will be done. Now, with all this, this is the part that I want to finish off on. There is a warning to this. So yeah, woohoo, this is amazing, and it is, it's wonderful, but there's also a warning side to this, and this is the warning. As you begin to operate, push back the enemy, he's not going to just sit back without a fight. So as long as you are thinking, oh yeah, I'm going to just take the seat and everything's going to be hunky-dory. No. (laughs) I wish it was, but it's not. The more and more I've learned about this seat, I have been hit more than I've ever been hit in my entire life. But you know what? Bring it on. This is the spot that God gave us as a church to operate and occupy. We've got to take it. So now look at this. The forces of darkness that we wage war against, they know humans. They know you. They're not stupid. He is, but he's crafty. So now... As we attack them again, remember, we are on the offense. Their strike can be swift and crushing if we don't recognize how he operates. And this is what we spend a lot of the summer on, even talking about guarding your heart, protecting your heart, because everything you do flows from it. It is still crucial. Now, this is why, again, we mentioned belief brings me to this seat. What keeps me in my seat is humility. Humility is the only way forward with God. I have to stay in this place where I am coachable. I am in a place where I accept and enjoy correction. Anybody have people over them in the Lord that you get corrected by? All right, four. The rest of you need one. You have to have that because you do. Because we don't see everything all the time. I have, there's some powerful men in my life that will that give me the shoulder checks. You know, things, the blind spots that I can't see. They are calling things out. They let me know things. And do I always appreciate it? Not in the moment. But guess what? I am sure thankful that I have that. Why? Because I don't want the devil any access point in my life. So I need a fair ground all the way around. Kate, talk to me. What, what are you seeing in my life? My wife is one of the biggest ones in them. She helps me tremendously, says things to me that ought, hmm, hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Right. And I'm totally okay with that. I'm so fine with that. Husbands, let your wives correct you. Wives, let your husbands correct you. Amen. Amen. Listen, we're on a team. Me and Jamie, we're on a team. We're, we're one. This girl sees things in my life that go, hey, you got to watch that. Oh, okay. No problem. There's no, we're not competing against one another. We're together in this. So she's got my back. I got hers 100%. Now, moving right along. Humble myself, meaning this, that I also, not only do I have these voices in my life, but I actually take the time to evaluate my own self. You have to do this. You have to take the time. Hebrew, or 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Let me just show you in the Message Bible. It says this, test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along. uh, taking everything for granted, give yourselves regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. But the whole point behind all this is you got to check it out. And this is where I do it. I do it in this seat. Lord, here I am. This, This is what's been going on in my own self. 
Lord, I, this is what you've called me. You always lead me in victory. So we're not coming from this place of, I'm unworthy, I'm just no good, I make mistakes. No, 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 we all make mistakes. So we're not losers here. What are we? With a victorious mindset. Lord, I could have done this a little differently. What do I need to do here? It's a totally different mindset than just going, I'm just no good, I can never do anything right. <laughs> God, I can never do this. I hate life. I hate myself. I hate everything about... No, 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 no. That's, that's, that's being a loser. That's, that's loser talk. When you're here, you're a victorious individual in Christ Jesus. Act like it. Talk like it. Pray like it. If you mess up, if it didn't work out, do something about it. Okay, I made a mistake. No big deal. Okay, I'll make that changes. Sorry. I had to apologize to Jamie regularly. Sorry. It's a good place to be. Now, the Bible tells us again, he's telling believers, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. In the modern English version, it says this, Do not give place to the devil. Can we just say that together? Do not give place to the devil. The Passion Bible says it like this, Don't give the slanderous accuser, the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you. The Amplified says it like this, leave no such room or foothold for the devil. It says give no opportunity to him. And that word foothold, if you look that up, it means don't give the devil a secure position from which further progress can be made. That's a foothold. Now, what does this mean? First, we have to look at it this way. The devil can't just come into somebody's life and do what he wants. He needs access. We really got to get this. The devil can't just come and kiss. Get, what's the devil's will for your life today? If he would just be able to wipe out the entire human race, he'd be so fine with that and not even blink an eye. He would love to do that. But guess what? He can't. Why? Because Jesus took every power and women. He's a paralyzed enemy. I mean, like, wheelchair and all, paralyzed from the neck down, can't do a thing, rendered useless, the Bible actually brings out in the Greek. He's rendered useless. So, huh? How come I'm seeing this going on in my life? The Bible tells us, give him no place. Meaning this, I am the doorway to my life for the enemy to come in, whether I realize it or not. Who's the door? I am. Jamie's not my door, I'm my door. You're not my door, I'm my door. I'm responsible for keeping the devil out of this. Spirit, soul, body, I'm in charge here. Come on, say it, I'm in charge. Y'all, this, this right here is where a lot of difference in the body of Christ takes place. God's sovereign, God just does what he wants to do. The devil, you know, the devil, this is his playground. False, false, false. The devil can't do in here what he wants to do. He needs access. The same way, this, listen, the spiritual world, there's laws in it. God can't just come in and do whatever he wants either. He needs access. And that's why we go, God, this is the access point for you. hey here we are. Access right here. Do what you want to do. Right? So we're learning this. Okay? The devil, like a roaring lion, is seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for an opportunity or a foothold to get in. And the believer, as we said, has the authority to shut him out, but he, we have to enforce it. Now, the question is, what is he after? The answer to this is he's trying to get us out of position with everything. If you could really read the word of God with this lens, that he's trying to get me out of position. 
Here's my spot. This is what I occupy. I believe it. Therefore, I act on it. And from this place, now I occupy and I operate from this seat. Now, if I can just notice any kind of attack that may come my way, it's looking to get me to go, what? It's trying to distract. It's trying to get me going, what? Did you hear what they? I can't believe this is taking place. And why does he want me out of this seat? Number one, he's after the word. Mark chapter 4, read that. That's a parable of the, the sower. You find out the word is sown, the word is sown, the word is sown four different times. And three times out of the four, it does not work. And why is all this? It's all about the word. He's after the word. Because once you got no word, you got nothing to stand on. He's trying to get me from this. He's trying to pull me out of this position, pull me out of this seat. Again, why does he do this? I'm here. When I'm out of position, do I have authority? Am I operating, even though I may be possessing of it, am I operating from it? No. Am I able to, for the power of God to flow through me? No. What am I now to the enemy? Easy target. Fair game. This is 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. He says, look out. Watch out. Your adversary, the devil, whom like a roaring lion, he's seeking whom he may devour. The moment I step out of this position, I'm wide open for attack. Hey, so what are his tactics? What does he want to do? His inroads to pull me out of position. Are we ready? There's a few, but we're going to just hit one or two today. <clears throat> the first question that I want to ask is, what is your spiritual scent? What do you give off spiritually? What do you smell like? Thank you for having a shower this morning. We so, so appreciate it. But if you would just cut it for a moment, just go in the spirit realm for a sec and just think, what do I smell like spiritually? You think, well, how do I gauge that? Well, let's, let's answer that question. And let me first give you a verse just to kind of show this. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, let's look here for a moment. It says that we have become an unmistakable aroma of victory of the anointed one of God or to God a perfume of life to those who are being saved, and we are the odor of death to those who are perishing. So you smell. You walk in the mall, guess what? Something smells. You walk home from work. What's that smell? And here's the thing. You're either giving off two cents, a beautiful aroma of the victory of Christ, or you stink. What do you smell like? So again, are you giving off the scent of Christ or are you spiritually stinky? Now, spiritual stink, let's talk about this for a moment. And how we're going to break this down a little bit is every action, every word, every attitude, every thought, I'm actually giving off a scent. Anybody ever walk into a room before and go, oh man, something's going on in here. Without even having to say anything or even have to hear anything. There were words that were spoken. There was attitudes that were present. And you walk into that room and go, there is some, there's some strife or there's some anger going on in this place. What scent does it give off? You don't even have to necessarily smell. Oh, it smells like anger. No, no, no. I'm just, you, you can feel the room. There's tension in the room, right? What is that? It's a spiritual scent. And there's other places when you walk in, you go, oh, man, the, that's the presence of Jesus all over this. What, that's amazing. What, what is all this? So let me just show you this. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. I encourage you to really read Romans 6. Romans 6 tells you and I our freedom from sin, 
Kind of what we've read in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians talks about how you've been free from the kingdom of darkness. Well, Romans 6 reveals how our freedom from sin and all that its, its effects. But there are some very powerful truths in this chapter. Look at this. It says, don't you realize that grace, what is grace? God's unmerited favor, his goodness towards you, that never stops. So his grace towards you frees you, come on, say it, frees me to choose your own master. Yes, yeah, as, as because you are grace people, right? We're grace folk. We've been saved by grace. Now that you're in this place, this undeserved, Romans 5 tells us, this undeserved place of privilege because of the grace of God, here we now stand. This same grace also now allows you to choose your master. He says, but choose carefully because for your surrender, for you surrender yourself to become a servant, bound to the one you choose to obey. So this is the only warning to this. Grace has freed you to choose whoever you will, but choose carefully because whichever one you're going to obey, you become a servant of. Okay, and here are the two choices. If you choose to love sin, it will become your master. And it will own you and reward you with death. But if you choose to love and obey God, he will lead you into perfect righteousness. So now again, we have to realize spiritual war. We're in a war. We're in a war. Now you and I, every th- this is the thought we have to have. There's only two choices. That means you have never had your own thought. You've never had... This is not an original thought. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I've never had an original thought. It's never, here's God's thought, here's the devil's thought, and here's Joel. This is what I think. That's never happened in my life. That'll never happen in yours. So that cuts out all excuses. And again, we're talking about give no place to the devil. So again, looking at this, who am I going to choose? Right now, I have to choose between, am I going to yield myself to the Spirit of God? Or am I going to yield myself to the enemy? Every thought, every word, every action is, comes from either one of those camps. There's been times even in our marriage, all of a sudden I will maybe say something that is not correct or will say something that would be hurtful to Jamie. Who am I yielding to? No, no, answer it. Well, but it's Pastor Joel. He's a Christian. He's a pastor for goodness sakes. He's probably, it's got to be it. No, no, no. Who am I yielding to at that moment? If I'm letting anger and rage to come out, guess who I'm yielding to? I'm yielding to darkness. And I go wonder, how come things are just sucking in my life? I yielded to it. And what does it do? It will always lead to death. And that doesn't just mean physical death. That means death in your soul. That means death, things aren't working, frustration in relationships. It equals death. Do you know what depression is? It's a form of death. Oh, I'm just, why am I so depressed? You got to check on this. Who are you yielding yourself to regularly? You don't need... All these steps a lot of times. I understand there's times and there's a process and things. Absolutely. But if you would just stop and look at what Jesus says, what he's done, it would change a lot of people's actions and minds. If you saw, if I'm going to continue to yield this, there's a, there's a disagreement or a fight going on. If I continue to yield and yield and yield, it's not helping you any. I got to get my point across. That's the problem. You're trying to get your point across. Instead, stop, yield somewhere else and go, what is a Proverbs 15 that a, a, a soft word dispels all anger? Hey, how are you? Changes the atmosphere and the mood. Let me show you this right here. 
Just like flies and rats, demons are attracted to open wounds and garbage in our life. I remember there's a, a, a minister we had here a few times, Mark Hankins. I really enjoy a good piece of Mark Hankins. Anybody heard of Mark Hankins? Man, if you're looking for some fun and you want to whatever, this, that's, the party, that's the party time. But he actually talked about he went hunting, and he was doing some, um, some bear hunting. And so he had with him a, uh, like a sound of, I don't know, how do you call that? To make a, a dead, dead rabbit sounds. And so he's sitting behind this bush, and he's making all these weird noises. And the whole point behind that is to attract what he's trying to poach, trying to get, right? So all of a sudden, there's that big bear. Kaboom! Got him. Why is it? Because the bear took the bait. Oh, that sounds good. Sounds like a wounded rabbit. Just think of it from a bear's perspective. What is he hearing? Oh, I hear something. I hear It's the same way in the spirit. And we aren't even aware of this whole thing. Here we are occupying. Somebody says something. Somebody does something that you and I maybe not like. What happens? The whole purpose of is to pull you and I out of position. And what happens? We start complaining. We start, I can't believe they did. Why is it always like this? Why is this happening? You know what you sound like? You sound like this in the spirit. And every demon in this local area is running to that sound to wreck havoc. Absolutely the truth. Even if I'm saying things, oh, that person doesn't hear me. You, it doesn't matter if they don't hear you. It's affecting you. Talking at home, bitter, chattered, talking all the time. I can't believe they, that talk, it affects you whether you realize it or not. And then you look at, how come my life is a mess? What is going on here? You've gotten out of position. Demons are circling around you and you go, God, what's going on? He's saying, get back in spot. Get back in position. Because from here, the whining ceases. From here, I've never complained from this seat in my life. Why? The Bible tells us, Philippians 2, that everything can be done without, without complaining. You don't complain here. It sounds victorious here. This is making sense because I'm sweating. Okay. Let me show you this verse. James chapter 3, verse 16. Again, what are Satan's inroads? Being bitter, bad attitudes, criticizing everything and everyone is putting off a smell that attracts demons. And listen, church, the reason I think we're giving this as a warning, it has to stop. If we are saying, God, we want this to be a glory center, a place for you to dwell and move in. Listen, there's more to it than just a few of us that are doing everything. This is a family thing that we're doing. God is bringing us and building us up. And if he's enlisting an army, guess what, army? We can't just be, I can't believe the politician this. I can't believe Premier Kenny this. The more we talk about it that way, oh, he doesn't hear me. It affects you. Oh, I hate that guy. I just hate. You know what? I wish he wasn't around. I just wish somebody would take care of him. I've heard those words from Christians. And you go, what? And you're believing God for your healing? It don't work that way. It doesn't work that way at all. The same blood that Jesus purchased for you is the same blood that purchased for him. So what do we do? We bless him. We speak grace over him, peace over him, that his eyes be opened. We pray for the man. Same thing with Premier Trudeau. I don't agree with a lot of things that he does. But it's not based on agreeing something. It's based on what do I believe to be true? Do I believe this word? That I'm going to sit my butt down and I'm going to operate the way he told me to operate. And I'm not going to budge from that. This is how it is. This is how it is. Yes, sir, I will do that. If he tells me, hey, I want you to stop talking about politicians. 
Done. There's end of, end, of, end of discussion. Did you see what they just... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The church has to occupy this spot. Okay, look at James 3.16 here for a moment. Oh, okay. It says, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Not some, every. Not just a few things here or there. No, every evil practice, every evil work. What is that? Depression, anxiety, frustration. I'm just talking about even your own soul. This, this overwhelming sense, oh man, I, just, like, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. Whoa, 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 hold on a sec. Back the truck up. Are you seeing, is there any envy or selfish ambition going on? And is there, like, if you read the verses prior to this, it actually talks about, check your own heart. 2 Corinthians 13 says, test yourself. Is, is there something not, not right? Is there something off? Is my heart condemning me? 1 John chapter 3. If my heart condemns me, that means I don't have confidence before God. God doesn't condemn. God is never in the condemn, condemnation business, ever. But sometimes, there's been times my heart condemns me. What is that? Something's off. Follow that out. There's been times where I've said something, and all of a sudden I actually had pulled over on the highway and had to go to the truck next to me and say, you know what, I, I apologize for the way that, that went down. That, that was not right. Would you please forgive me? Yeah, it's all good. Heart is clean. Heart is clear. That's what we're looking for is a tenderness of heart. But if you just ignore those types of things, what happens? You continue to go on day after day. And what happens to your own soul and your own heart? It gets hardened and it gets seared. It gets calloused. And what happens over time is all of a sudden you need to make a big decision. I can't hear God. Would you pray for me? I can't, I can't hear him. What's the problem? It's hard. Don't harden your heart when he speaks. And it all goes back to what do you smell like? If there's bitter in any kind of way, get it out, get it out. Why? Because give no place to the devil. What happens if I there envy or strife in my life? What do I do? Creak. The door is open, and guess what the devil's doing? And he'll do everything he can to poke his stupid little head in there and just start stealing, killing, and destroying. He will absolutely eat your lunch all day. And you can say, I pray every single day. It means nothing. If the door is open, he still can get in. Shut the door. How? Repentance. I repent. Repentance is the greatest gift that we have. And guess what? You can do it every single day. It doesn't mean, oh God, I come to you. I've, I've lost my salvation. No, 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 no. It just means, Lord, I didn't do things your way. So what do I need to do? Not your way. I stop. I'm going a different direction. This is the way you do it. Now I do it this way as well. And it just carries on. You shut the door, but do it quick. People of faith that I know to be strong in the Lord, they are quick to repent and quick to forgive. Holding on to harbor, holding on to this frustration, holding on to what so-and-so said. It's not worth it for you. Why? The door's open, but they did it. It doesn't matter. It's your door. If you just see it that way, it's not them. It's my door. Shut the door. <laughs> so what I do, Lord, I repent. Sorry, I, I didn't see it that way. I, I've let my feelings, my emotions, my opinions, whatever it may be, get in the way. I'm, I'm sorry about that, Lord, and I see from your word. I walk by faith and not by sight. Okay, I'll, I'll start going by what you say. You say be tenderhearted. Yes, sir, I'll do it. Help me to do that, though. Help me. I, I, need, I need the grace and able to do this. So thank you. I received that. And what happens? 
This is fixed. Now what? Hey, I'm so sweet. I'm, I'm sorry that I said that. I, that, was, that was totally out of line. What did you just do? You've now yielded yourselves to God, and now you become the master or the slave to him. That's how this works. I want to come up for a sec, Wyatt. What I want to do is I want to just take a moment this morning, y'all. We're going to shut the door on some things. And when the door shut, we're not going to open it back up and see, well, they still did. It's not about them at all. It's not about what they said. It's not about what they did. I'm going to keep that door closed. And what? I'm going to forgive. I'm going to release because what's more important? Y'all, this is so much more important. Why? My family is affected from me occupying here or not. Listen, my kids, their future depends on making sure that I'm living this type of way. If I'm going to carry bitterness and hurt from what people said about me and to me, to my face, if I let that in and I come out of position, guess what? This now same way that I'm here is the way that I parent. It's the way that I'm a husband. It's the way that I'll pastor I'll kid, you know what, I've seen over this, my short years of ministry, I'm going into my 17th year this next year, 16th year, 17th year, and what I've seen is pe- there, are, there are pastors that are ministering, people, they are ministering hurt. And I, I, listen, I, I, the hurt is real. People say stuff, people do things, and they think, oh yeah, I've, I can say whatever I want because they need to hear. No, nobody needs to hear a thing you've got to say. I got to give him. No, you don't. Shut up. So what do I got to do? I want to occupy from my place. And if anybody has said anything, what do I do? I forgive. Because I can't afford it for my marriage. I can't afford it for my kids. I can't afford it for the church that I'm called to lead. I cannot afford it. So what I do, Lord, I forgive. I bless. I speak favor and mercy. May the God's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, I thank you that you open up the eyes of their heart and their understanding that they would see it. Father, in this whole political realm, Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over Alberta. Father, thank you for your great love that you have for this nation. Our founding fathers, this verse in Psalm 72, that you would have dominion from sea to sea. Lord, I thank you that they spoke those words. And right now, I just come into agreement with that. I lift up Ottawa and our parliament to you, Lord. And from this place of authority, from this place of no bitterness, no anger towards the government, no anger towards a certain individual, Lord, I just release that into your care. And right now, I bless the prime minister role that we have in our nation. Remember, it's not a person. It's the position he holds. He doesn't doesn't have to earn our respect He has it because of the position he holds. Bless him. His family. Father, you sent your son Jesus to die for him. We release it. Father, if it's whatever, if it's with AHS, maybe some of you have these just anger and stirred up on the inside because of the Alberta health. Release it. It's not worth it. Why? Because you've been given authority over all the powers of darkness. Don't, don't waste your time down here. They're not worth it. Come on, y'all. They're, they're not, it's not worth it. The fight's not worth it. The arguing is not, not worth it. Not worth it. So instead, from this place, I trample and I release. Be blessed. Lord, help. We need help. They don't know what they're doing. Help.
Thank you, Lord. Now, I want you just for a moment, while you're sitting here, just smell spiritually. Take a scent spiritually. What does it smell like in here? I can breathe. It's calm. And now from this place, if people have ought against me, I can talk from this position. Hey, what's going on? Let's talk. Husband, wife, children, grandchildren, aunts, uncles, nephews, nieces, whatever it is, friends. Here we, this is where we communicate. This is the presence of God. And this is how we operate from. Jesus. So, Father, this morning we commit to you afresh this morning our lives. But not only our lives, Father, our, our words, our thoughts, our actions, our attitudes. Father, we commit what we saw in Romans chapter 6. We choose carefully who we want to surrender or yield ourselves to. Lord, we're done yielding to the enemy. We're done. Say with me, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. So right now, Father, just if, as a sign of that we're done, I want you just to pretend you're closing the door for a moment. Have your hand on that door, on the doorknob. And before we close it, I want you just to shout out this door. I forgive, I release, I bless, and I will not open you again. In Jesus' name, close the door. Shut. Ah. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. And now, Lord, I submit myself to you. I yield myself to you, my members to you, my body, my attitude, my words, my thoughts. I yield it to you. And Father, any time that those thoughts or that, that hurt or those words that came to my mind or the things that hurt me and they try to come across, Lord, I just ask you, I just make a commitment now that I will shut that down because that door is shut. I will not open it again. And Father, as Impact Life Church family, we have no ought towards anybody in this room. We have no ought towards any other church. We have no ought towards any government official. Lord, no, we are completely free from the hurt, the pain, anxiety, the depression, the anger, the bitterness, the frustration that may have caused because of a situation or a result. Lord, we're free. And now I fully operate from this place of authority. I live untouchable in this realm. You cannot touch me. You cannot touch me because I have no strife. I have no envy. And there's no bitterness in me. Thank you, Lord. And I've got to just feel this in my heart too. You know what? There may be times where you just have to go. There's a, sometimes it's a little bit of a process because some things were said. So don't just kind of think, oh, like this, this really hurt me. I understand I've been there. Things, things really do hurt. So what do you got to do? First of all, you have to give the Lord opportunity in an atmosphere like this. Lord, I want my heart healed. He came to heal the brokenhearted. That can't be done from some kind of magic thing. It just takes time being in his presence to the point where you are overwhelmed with how much you are loved by God. That all that other stuff just falls away. Let it go. And only he can do that. Amen? All right, Father, we thank you for this morning. We love you, Lord, and we give you all the glory, all the praise for what you have done and will continue to do through this week. We trample over the enemy by giving him no access. (laughs) 
What an idiot. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name.